Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What Was That Like contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. From this happiest moment of your life to now the saddest moment in your life in the same day because you're realizing when you get a visual that you're, you're looking at the woman you love and she's in a medically induced coma and she just gave birth to your son. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. If you're a parent, you know that the birth of your child is an incredible experience. For Steve and Camry, it didn't happen at all the way they expected it to. Steve got the call at work that Camry was at the hospital and had already delivered the baby. He dropped everything, drove there frantically, and he was confused because the baby wasn't due for another seven weeks. He ran into the hospital and the first thing he saw was his newborn son, Gavin. He quickly scrubbed up and held him for the first time. There's a picture of that first meeting of father and son in the show notes for this episode at whatwasthatlike.com slash 39. There was an immediate bond between them. What Steve didn't know was that at that moment, Camry was being put into a medically induced coma in order to save her life. He also didn't know that when she would come out of that coma, she would have no memory of anything. She would not recognize Steve. She wouldn't even know that she just had their baby. That was the beginning of a long journey for this family, and Steve wrote a book about it. 
It's called But I Know I Love You, and you can get it on Amazon. And if you enjoy this podcast and would like to support it, you can do that at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. I really enjoyed my conversation with Steve, and I hope you do too. Have you always wanted to be a dad? Since I've been a little kid, uh, I've always wanted to be a dad. I've dreamt of it, swinging on the swing in my backyard. Uh, I, I've had an amazing father, and it's just something that has always been with him inside of me. And now you're living it. I, I am living yeah. it, yeah. Well, we're going to get into the whole story here. and I, But i got to tell you, is prior to this conversation, I got your book that tells this whole story, and it's an awesome book. I highly recommend it. We're going to be uh, – we'll give you people the um, information about where they can get that here in just a few minutes. But And at the beginning of the book, you talk about the night or the the time when you first met Camry, and that is so amazing. I'm not even going to tell the – I don't want you to tell the story <laughs> here. I'm going to let people read the book to, to find out. But it, Yeah, we don't want to ruin it. It's just incredible the way you two came together, and it was like an instant chemistry. Yeah, yeah. At, you, you started dating – and then what's amazing, you, you planned this proposal for her to ask you to, to be your wife. And the incredible part is that all that effort that you put into it to make it memorable, and she doesn't even, she doesn't remember any of it, right? That's correct. Yeah. I really put some thought into it. We lived on a, a private little lake. Uh, we had the small little two-bedroom cabin built in 1920. It was a, it was this cool little cabin lake home that we lived in. And and we would always go on the water, and I, I kind of decorated our boat, our pontoon boat, as the love boat. It was on the 4th of July. It's a free firework show. And I told her, oh, wow, look at that firework. And she turned around, and I dropped down on a knee on her boat, and I proposed. And it was a memorable moment. It was something that anybody who gets engaged, you just these are things you don't forget. Luckily, I have a, a few pictures of that, of the love boat, of the sign. I, you know, And I just wrote it on a piece of paper, put some tape. Uh, nothing too fancy, but it was it was it was the thought, and it was a special night for sure. Definitely. Well, let's talk about uh, she became pregnant, and the, there were some problems during the pregnancy. And can you just talk about what happened? Shortly after she she became pregnant, and we were on cloud nine. We were excited. We were excited. She was excited to be a mom, and I was excited to be a dad. And our families were excited. Now I was I was 31 years old at this time or 30 years old, and I think my mom thought I don't know t- time's running out, Stephen. You know you're not. So she already had four other grandkids, all boys, and so Camry. You know we became pregnant. She became pregnant, and it was you know just kind of going through the first trimester was was really good. The second trimester was really good, and we were just kind of cruising along. And as a first time father, you really don't. You know, you really don't think about it. You just think, oh, you get pregnant like everybody else I see, and they have the baby, and then you become a parent, and you you go on in your life. Well, for us, the third trimester uh, hit her like a ton of bricks. She started to uh, develop uh, nausea. She was constantly throwing up, and she just couldn't hold food down, so we would constantly bring her into the hospital, back and forth, back and forth. And they eventually put a Zofran pump on her to kind of, keep the food in her and so she doesn't throw up constantly so it was shortly after that we had the uh, we had the baby shower and that day you know she couldn't even make that day so she was just she was and on bed rest that's got to be devastating that she couldn't she couldn't go to her own baby shower 
Yeah, I we I only opened a few gifts and I left the rest for her. I took them back and we opened up together. Um, that way she still has that feeling of the baby. She, you know, that way I didn't have to do everything. So it was shortly after that, a couple weeks after, where she developed some swelling into her throat. And that's when our real problems started to started to happen. You really didn't know what the problem was at that point, right? Not not at all. Uh, well, we were constantly going back and forth to the hospital or to the OBGYN, and it was the same thing. Uh, here, here's some, well, we'll rehydrate you, send you home. Rehydrate you, send you home. Uh, th- she had some swelling in her feet because she stood around for work, so they had her on bed rest. I, I didn't know what to expect. My expectations were, I think she, I think they were at the time where she's, you know, everything's going to be all right. She's going to be fine. I wasn't too worried. Yeah, neither the- of you had gone through a pregnancy before. And and often, I mean, that's you're common here. When you're pregnant, yeah, you throw up sometimes. So it was no reason to think anything really unusual was happening. Yeah, and she is such she's such a strong person. She plays it off so well. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But she's throwing up. As she's throwing up, she's telling me she's fine. Right. And that's just the type of person she is. She's extra she's incredible. She's very strong. And she's strong-willed. And so I was like, okay, she's fine. Because she kept telling me she's fine. And I believed her. So it was it was shortly after that, um, she had some swelling develop in her throat. We we got her to the emergency room. They didn't, we were, you know, they ran tests. Blood pressure seemed to be fine, everything. They didn't know what it was. They thought maybe it can be an allergic reaction to the Zofran pump. They, they didn't have the answers yet. So they kept her in, in the hospital overnight, just for observation. And that afternoon, she actually, uh, the next day, the afternoon, she ended up having a grand mal seizure. And uh, she's never had seizures before. She had a grand mal seizure with our child inside of her. She she had undiagnosed preeclampsia. She actually went eclamptic. Her blood pressure shot, skyrocketed to the roof, had a, had a grand mal seizure. When this all happened, you were at work. Yeah, I was at I mean, work. I know she was in the hospital, but... I mean, you had to go to work. So, so this time she was she was on bed rest, and we had a house together. Well, she was just staying with her parents. Her mom was a stay at home mom. Her mom was at home, so her mom can kind of keep an eye on her all the time. So, I had to go take care of our dogs that night. Camry, being herself, she goes, "Go home, take care of the dogs, go to work tomorrow." And I'm like, I, I, I'm like "Okay." So I went to work. And I was going to work a half day, and I was going to come up back to the hospital. And that's when I got the phone call from, well, I can't texted me an hour before this happened. She told me she loves me. She's fine. The baby's fine. Everything's fine. She's doing great. And then an hour later, I get a phone call from my mom on my work cell phone that um, frantically, basically crying and screaming that Camry had the baby. Camry had the baby. And I just, like, just dropped. Every, I just, I did I was in shock and I just hopped in my hopped in my truck and I drove 90 miles an hour to that hospital I ran from the parking lot to the delivery room and as I ran into the the delivery room I put my hands on my knees because I was out of breath and they were wheeling in Gavin as as soon as I ran right into him so that's when you saw him for the first time when you first ran into the hospital yeah two nurses were wheeling him into the uh, nick unit so and i just kind of dropped to my knees and i at the time i you know i looked at him and they say are you steve i said yep and then i this is your son gavin but we got to take him into the the room go wash your hands wait for us to call you we'll put a 
uh, wristband on you and you can meet your son. So that's kind of how, that's how we met. <laughs> Man, that is, I just can't imagine the overwhelming confusion and emotions. You know, this is meeting your son for the first time and not knowing what Camry situation is, uh, just overwhelming. Very overwhelming. I, I was asking the doctors and the nurses, okay, how's Camry? They're, Cause they're telling me Gavin's fine. And they're like, we don't know yet. She's in the ICU. She's in a um, medically induced coma. She had a seizure. She, they, they saved the baby. She's alive. And then that's basically the information I got. So I put my focus at this time just for a few, you know, a few minutes. I, I got the, a chance to meet Gavin and I, I, he, he grabbed my finger very tightly. And my first thought when I looked at him, he looked just like his mother. I called him Camry Jr. And, uh, it brought, it brought the, you know, biggest smile to my face. He was healthy. He was four pounds, one ounce. He was premature. He was seven weeks early and he was 16 and a half inches long, but he was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was instantly in love. So I, I, um, brought, you know, all the family one by one coming in, coming to meet him. We weren't be able to go upstairs yet because they were, you know, doing their tests and everything with Camry. Finally, we got to go in that room and it was just that, that if anybody's been in a hospital before, you got the beeping and the, and it's just kind of this, you know, from this happiest moment of your life to now the saddest moment in your life in the same day. Cause you're realizing when you get a visual that you're, you're looking at the woman you love and she's in a medically induced coma and she just gave birth to your son. And then I have this instant guilt that I wasn't, I wasn't there which for a long time I was kind of, I kind of blamed myself. But then I realized over a period of time that, hey, there's really nothing I would have been able to do anyways. But at the same time, you kind of wish I was there. Yeah, of course, as, as a father and a husband, of course, you'd want to be there. But uh, I'm, as you said, over this time, you've realized even if you were there, it's nothing you could do. And it was seven weeks before she was due anyway. It's not like you could spend all your time in the hospital. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. And I was at the hospital most of the night before. I mean, I left at like, you know, it was like one in the morning. So I was there for a long time. So I got to take care of the dog. So that's why I left. And that's, so yeah, that's kind of where it, I found myself is going in between, um, seeing our son and then to, to seeing Camry, uh, in this coma. And then that, be, that kind of began a period of a lot of mystery as to, what her condition was and what caused it and what the long-term prognosis would be. It seems like your overwhelming feeling was frustration at just not getting answers. Yeah, we were not getting any answers because they didn't know. That, that was the frustrating part is you put all this, you know, this, this trust in, in the doctors and we, they just had no idea what happened. I mean, they know that she had a seizure uh, they put her in a coma. They saved her life and Gavin's life, but they didn't know the extent of her injuries. In fact, they didn't even know she had a brain injury. So that night, I spent the night in the hospital. I slept next to Camry's bed as well as the next night. And that next day, uh, day and a half, they pulled the tube out of her throat and they let the morphine wear off and the drugs wear off. And then we noticed something wasn't right. She was hallucinating. She was talking to her hand. She just wasn't, she wasn't coherent she didn't know that she just had a child. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know who she was. She didn't know her parents. She didn't know anything. She thought she was in church. So she didn't even know she was in a hospital. So 
we were obviously like, okay, we want some answers, want some answers. And they're like, whoa, we, we don't know. Let's get the psychiatrist. So they got the psychiatrist and he kind of quick diagnosis that he thought that she had postpartum depression psychosis. So that's when it, you know, we were, we didn't even know what that was at the time. And then we were just kind of going with it. We're like, okay, so there, there's an answer. We, th- we believed that was the problem. Um, but shortly after, yeah, because what else can you do when a doctor tells you something? What else can you do other than say, "Well, just okay, he's the expert, right?" Yeah, what, like, apparently, you know. <laughs> but finds out he was not an expert. But so, from the time that Camry gave birth to the time she was in this hospital it was about five days, five or six days, and during that time, we just really weren't getting any answers. And in fact, she even went from. She was kind of coherent and we tried to let her meet Gavin for the first time, but it just didn't, it just wasn't, she was just not right. There's something wasn't right and everything was going wrong. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut. With Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic, go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. 
Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. So we ended up having her life flighted to a different hospital because we, um, a trauma hospital, because we just thought, you know what, something's not right here. And we found out, yeah, she suffered a severe brain injury and she lost all of her memory. And the other hospital is was more uh, equipped with um, neurologists and people that yeah, this knew is, what, could tell what was going on better. Yeah, the hospital we were at, well, they was not that they were bad. They were just, it was more of a residency hospital where it's just people, it's like a learning hospital. So uh, at that hospital, Cambridge is more like a guinea pig. They're trying to figure out what's going on. The other hospital, they just laid down the law. They, I mean... They said, move out of my way. We're going to figure this out. And they just were so confident. And they did. They Within days, they figured out that she suffered a traumatic brain injury, severe brain injury from loss of oxygen because her throat was swelled up. So when she had that grand mal seizure, she lost oxygen to her brain. With that oxygen, suffered a stroke. And that's, that's, that's what happened. And all of this leads back to the preeclampsia, which was not diagnosed. Which was not diagnosed, no. It was undiagnosed. Have you, has anyone's told you, you know, why was this, why did they miss that? Do you know? No, we don't know. We never really pursued that issue. We, uh, we had a lot going on. We, we were asking questions. We, you know, we have the medical records and stuff. We were trying to figure stuff out, but we never really figured out exactly what happened, but we do know that this was from a, um, most of our information came from the other hospital. So that's how we kind of learned everything. You sent me a picture of you holding Gavin. Yeah. And that was when you held him for the first time. When you look at that picture now, what do you think of? I think of a, a, a dad for the first time, not knowing what he's about to, the journey that he's about to embark on. Uh, un, unbeknownst to me at that time, I had no idea Cameron even had a brain injury in that photo. Um, I was just happy to be a dad. I was happy my son was alive. I was happy that Cameron was alive fighting for her life in the ICU because she still was alive. So I see a dad who's just beyond happy, beyond blessed, and but at the same time not knowing what the future holds for him and not knowing the journey that he's about to go on. And it it... It was, it has been an incredible journey. I get the impression from you that you are a natural optimist. Is that how you would describe yourself too? Yeah. I, um, I, I look forward. I don't try not to look behind me too much. I, I think that with hard work and I, I'm a firm, firm believer in, in God and Jesus Christ. And I put, you know, I have a lot of faith that has been built that's inside of me and I try to think in positive thoughts and not negative. So negative thoughts will just bring you down a rabbit hole. You do not want to go down. I think the word that best described for me that's helped me is hope. I always have hope that things are going to get better. If they might not be good today, but you know what? They could be possibly better tomorrow. And I'm willing to hope that they will be. So I think hope's a, a good word. I, I think so too. And it's really, when you're in a situation like that, that's the best way to look at it. Because otherwise, you could just uh, crawl into a corner in a fetal position and just give up, you know. You, and I'm, the, probably some people would. Yeah, I think giving up's um, 
the easy route though, right? I mean, life's not easy. So I, I'm very, I've always been a competitive person, but not with people, just within myself. So if I give up, I get disappointed in myself and I don't like being disappointed in myself. I mean, sure, we all have disappointments, but I really, I really try to just think positive and have that faith and, and really, really put my faith in God and knowing that he has a plan for myself and not only for me and now it's for my family. Can you talk about when you first started, you know, Camry's out of the coma now mm-hmm. and you would go into her room and try to communicate with her. What was that like in the early stages? Well, it was, it's <laughs> difficult because she didn't know who I was. So when I was trying to communicate with her, so when she's out of the coma, she has, I'm trying to tell her, Hey, we, you just gave birth to the most beautiful little boy. And she would look at his picture and she would smile at it, but she would not know who he was. I would introduce myself and she would not know who I am. And when we learned that she suffered that brain injury and then she had no memory and it happened just beyond her memory lobes, uh, you know, <laughs> life took a crazy turn because I was just, um, heartbroken that the woman who made me a better person that I love deeply now, and we just had a child together now doesn't know who our own child is, um, or, or myself. So it was tough talking to her because she didn't know who I was. I was just, hi, I'm Steve. And it was like nothing would register at all. So it was, it was a tough time. What's amazing is that even though she didn't have memory, of anything or didn't really know why she was there. She wasn't afraid of all these apparent strangers who were talking to her and everything. She was so positive. She she had a smile on her face. She didn't freak out. She just went with it and she just kept going with it. You could tell her something and she'd be like, okay, but then she would forget what you told her right there. So it really didn't matter. She was just as happy little, yeah, she's, you know, just, person you know when i think back to that time and she was when she just when she finally got released from the hospital i would constantly remind her who i am that we had a child now at this time too i was working so she was she had moved back in with her parents she didn't know we had a house she didn't know we had a child so we were we were <laughs> the the beginning stages after um she got home she got home for, before gavin gavin was still in the hospital uh, she got home within like 30 days and Gavin was like 35 days. So that five days, I would pick her up from her parents' house after I got done working and I would bring her to, she didn't know who I was. She didn't want to get in the car with me. So I would try to convince her like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And her parents would say, hey, she didn't really know her parents, but she trusted her mom, it seemed. So she would, her mom was like, this is Steve. This is your, in fact, we weren't even married. We were engaged to be married at this time. So she wasn't even my wife. She was my fiance. And, um, she would just hop in the car eventually. We would go drive up there and she's like, where are we? Where are we going? Who are you? We'd get to the hospital. Okay. Wh- where are we at? Who are you? Where are we going? And it's just this constant who, what's going on? She just had these questions of what's going on constantly because she literally had only at that time, maybe, you know, 30 seconds of memory, long and short. So it was just, it was just this constant, she had so many questions, but they were the same question over and over again. Like, where are we at? Who are you? Who is this child? 
Um, and she didn't even know she was asking the same question over and over. No, because she would forget. It's it's a really, it's kind of, it's hard. I still, even when I talk about it, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. When you, if you lose all your memory, you, you, we hear stories of people losing memory, but I don't think in this capacity when you lose all your memory. And not only when you lose it, you keep losing it within seconds and seconds and seconds. And then, it, you know, over a long period of time, it, then it was a minute. And then she had like, I mean, you but you can't time it exactly. There, there's no, there's no, you know, rule of thumb to her memory loss. It's just, just the way it is. And right, you just have right. to accept it. But it, it, this is what I just find so fascinating about this whole story, the, the, uh, the mental aspect of it. So you guys would get to the hospital and she would still, you know, she would ask you again, where are we? Why are we here? But yet she knew about a car. She knew she was traveling. And I, I, I don't right? think is she that, did. Or, no, I don't think she knew she no? was traveling. I just think she would forget instantly. It was an instant, like, just forget, forget. And I don't know. She was just like kind of in the, just do, 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 you know, just kind of out of it. And, um, it's, it's really hard to describe. It really is because you really kind of have to see it and live it. But, uh, yeah, she just, she never, she questioned where she was and where she's going and who people are, but she never questioned what, like, okay, I'm hopping in this car. Do I have to, you know, she never really overly questioned. She was just more curious of who are you. Okay. Who are you? She had this trust. She trusted people. She had this innocence about her. You know, right? She had this innocence about her. She was just this beautiful, innocent woman who had no idea who she, myself, her family, her whole life was gone. Everything. She lost everything. Still to this day, she still doesn't remember her childhood or our son's life. You know, all, all these memories are still gone. At some point, it it seemed like. She, the, you saw progress because she was starting to remember her own name. Was that the first sign that she might get better? Yeah. Now, of course, like I've told you before, I, I was always hopeful that she's going to improve. Yeah, she was only 24 when this happened. So we had, she had age and time on her hands. So over a period of time, she started, she remembered her own name. Like, okay, I'm Camry. And she would even question. She said, okay, my name is Camry. Yes, you are Camry. Okay. And it just, she got that repetitious about, you know, that repetition about who she is. And she started there and it kind of worked. It just kind of kept going. And that was, that was a, uh, there was these little defining moments when I, when you look back of her knowing her name and then her telling, you know, like the title of our book, her, her telling me that she doesn't know who I am, but she knows she loves me. And her accepting the fact she would just go with me when I would pick her up eventually. She would just come over and she trusted me. And we were starting to be a, you know, be a family. The first year she lived at her parents' house for well, you know, well over a year. Um, she would just kind of come over and hang out for a few hours and then her parents would pick her up or I would drop her off. So I was responsible for Gavin. I, I've raised Gavin. It was just, me and Gavin at, you know, nights. And then I would drop them off at either daycare or parents' house and, uh, kind of do that cycle for, you know, we've done that for a long time. So that's kind of your, that that was your routine at we the had time. A, yeah. We had a routine where I, I would, I worked six days a week, five to six days a week. And I would, uh, Gavin would be with me at night. I would 
then take him Camry or just take him depending on if she came over. In the beginning, in the beginning stages, she wouldn't come with me because she didn't know who I was. She eventually started to trust me because I showed up every day. I think part of our story too is just showing up every day and not, not going away, not giving up, just showing up. And I always showed up. I was always at that, at her parents' house, ready to pick her up. Even if she didn't want to go with me, I was ready to pick her up and ready, ready to get Gavin and go start our family life uh, at our house. And then it, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't an ideal situation that, um, that I, you know, it's not what I wanted, obviously, but I was happy enough and thankful enough that she, that I still had my family intact. And that's what meant the most to me. And I was willing, willing and still am willing to do anything to keep my family together. And that's gotta be, you know, I, I think about this from the perspective of her parents and seeing their daughter have to go through this. But they have to be just so incredibly relieved to have someone like you saying, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm here for her for the rest of her life. That's what I'm committed to, and I'm going to take care of her. Yeah, I, I, I re-proposed to her. I talked to her dad. I said, I, I love your daughter. I love Camry. She's, she was the one when I first met her. I knew it right off the bat. So I think you know we have developed a uh, fantastic relationship. Was this about the time when she then that she came home, and so you guys were all living at the same house? Oh, it's like the the year it took about a year for her to move back in. Okay, it actually took longer for her to move back in. She just brought it to go bag, and so she would spend the night. She started spending the night, but it took you know nine eight nine months for her to spend the night. So that first say nine months, nine ten months, um, she just brought it to go bag. She would come over for a few hours. And then it would just kind of uh, be me and Gavin at night. And so, like, I did all the, you know, I got up every night. I did all the burping, the feeding, the the bathing, um, everything. I was like mom and dad. When their seizure started, was that after she had come back and was spending the night at your house? Or was that before she came back for good? That, that was um, a year after her brain injury. She started, she had her first seizure uh, while she was at her parents' house during the day. Obviously, the ambulance came, all that, went to the hospital. And then she just started having seizure after seizure after seizure. So then we had, and then it was just, you know, and this is where her parents are fantastic. They, you know, she was at her parents' house while I was working. So they gave me the, it gave me the opportunity to still make a living, still take care of Gavin, and that they were taken to her doctor's appointments uh, during those days. And, and a lot of times her mom had Gavin too, and she would be at the doctor's with Camry, with the little baby. So she had her hands full as well. So, uh, you know, it's, hasn't just been all, all me, you know, it takes, takes a village, they say. But yeah, that's when she, that's when she started developing epilepsy and then getting on different seizure medications, which, and then entailed, um, See, the dosage of these medications are insane. Like she, you know, couldn't walk, couldn't walk right, walking sideways. It would knock her out. It would just, these medications are just. So those were side effects? These are side effects. Yeah. Side effects are memory loss, nausea, dizziness. And she's only like 110 pounds. So when you're taking 2,000 milligrams of seizure meds because her, her seizures are really bad. 
they developed. I mean, first year she was no seizures and then boom, it just, it hit her like a ton of bricks and she was having seizures every, every other day. Grand, and not just little, it's grand mal seizures. So then our, our, our lives took a turn where trying to figure epilepsy out and, 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 and not only when she was with me having Gavin taking care of Gavin, but then she's having seizures. She's on the floor seizing or, uh, in the car seizing or we're out like, you know, grocery shopping or something, having seizures there. So then our, you know, just seizures were a part of our lives and they still are to this day. And she kind of can tell when one is coming on. Yeah. Yeah. She knows when one, she knows she has this aura, she calls it. And she'll take her little, she has this little uh, Ativan medicine she takes to hopefully kind of subside the seizures. Um, it, it usually just cuts the seizure, you know, down, the timing down. But I mean, she, she used to in the beginning have like 12 minute long grand mal seizures. Um, yeah. She, she knows when they're coming and she'll say like, Hey, so anytime I hear the word, Hey, I freak out. <laughs> Cause it's just, you know, I'm on edge. <laughs> I'm always like, right. You know, it, it happens quite often. How far in advance does she know? Like when she says, Hey, how much time do you have? Seconds. I mean, cause she'll stand for a while. I could tell you she's strong. She'll stand and have a seizure. So like she does not want to fall. But eventually if I wasn't there, she would just tip over. But, um, she's always looking for somebody. Like if she does, like if she's in the other room and I hear, Hey, she's already standing up and kind of coming towards me. She's trying to find me. So, and I usually just carry her and get her to a safe location. Um, you know, over time now, our son has dealt with quite a lot of seizures. He's, he's seen a lot, and so he deals with them really well. He'll get her a blanket, a pillow, and kind of prop her feet up and just say, it's okay, Mommy, and he's really good with it. So it's been his whole life, really. Partway through, or, or after a while, you were, you became concerned just from the legal aspect that you were not a husband, you were a fiancé. Still, yeah. Can you talk about your thought process there and and uh, what happened? Well, I, I asked her dad again to repropose, so I did another proposal on another July Fourth, and it was just in front of all our family, and it was just to show. You know, I was so dedicated, and I still am to her and our family, and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted her to be my wife, not just my fiance. We're I've been waiting for so long. We've been through so much. Uh, it took three and a half years after her brain injury for us to get married, but even the first proposal was still another two years after that. But it was when, she, when I know that she knew who I was, she knew my name, she knew who Gavin was, she knew our life together, she knew where we lived, she was improving, she showed tremendous signs of improvement, and she was doing, you know, she's, she was getting better and she was on the road to recovery. Even though she might not remember the, the day before, she was becoming, more aware of her surroundings and kind of what happened to her. Cause that took a long time for her to remember that she couldn't remember if you. Yeah. That's what I would also, I was wondering about the same thing. Does she ever ask, why can't I remember things? Uh, but now she knows. Now, now she knows. Um, she didn't. So she would ask questions like, so what, I have a brain injury. You would tell her she has a brain injury and she would not remember that she has a brain injury or she couldn't remember and you explained to her, you lost all your memory. And she's like, I lost, I lost my memory. And she had a hard time. And then it just kind of faded away. Like within, you know, shortly after you would tell her. And so she couldn't remember that she couldn't remember because she had short and long-term memory loss. So it just, it just, she couldn't do it. And then, but over time, as her brain is healed, 
and she's becoming more and more and more away aware of her surroundings and her and what happened to her she's she remembers now she knows exactly what happened and you know i'm not going to say it's easy for her because it's not it's actually gotten you know when you start realizing she's starting to realize what she lost you know and you're, she's realizing what she lost and she lost her whole life she lost her son's childhood she doesn't remember her son's childhood so or her own so that's a tough pill to swallow for her and she's but i give her credit because a huge credit. She doesn't give up. She always is constantly, um, and you know, she has her bad days, but she always is moving forward. And I try to be that positive light in her life. And she has her son. She does it for our child where she wants, even though that she might not remember doing things with Gavin, she knows that Gavin has a memory. And so she does it for him. And so she's just incredible. Do you do a lot of video so that she can look at this and say, "Yep, that's when we did that day." Or? Uh, we take a lot of photos. We take, a, you know, we have some videos here and there. Uh, we we just do a lot of photos. The hard part about photos, though, is she can't place herself in that in that photo. For like me and you, we can go back, like, "Oh, look, we're on the beach," you know, and this day, this whatever. For her, she goes, "How do I get to the beach? Where were we? What were we doing? What's behind?" There's nothing behind that photo. But, um, you know, we have our wedding video, which was an amazing day, she, you know, which she, again, doesn't remember. But we have the video, and she watches constantly. You, do you ever try to, like, you guys took a vacation to Clearwater Beach, which yeah. is like 20 minutes from me, actually. Uh, and I know you're up, you're up in Michigan, up where it's cold. But, yeah. Uh, yeah um, but you guys went, went to Clearwater Beach. Do you ever try to, and she doesn't remember any of it. No. But do you that try to. That was before the brain injury. Right, yeah, that yeah. was that was way before. Yeah, but do you try to kind of recreate those things for her now so that she does have a memory of it? No. I know it, it, obviously it's not the same thing as going through it, but uh, does she remember now that? I mean, she doesn't remember actually doing it, but does she know that you went to Clearwater Beach that one if time? If I tell her, she'll believe me. <laughs> She's like, did we? Because I don't lie to her. I got, um, I, I keep, I stay very, very honest and very. Uh, I keep it real with her, and so I, I'm not going to sit here and try to recreate her memories. All I can do, I mean, I think that was kind of where the book came into play, where she doesn't have our 10-year relationship, so that's kind of why I wrote it out. But, uh, you know, I think it's for us is trying to live in the moment and make these moment memories, make these, you know, these just... Whether it's going on vacation, we go to Great Wolf Lodge with our child or go up to it. We have a cabin up north. Uh, we were just in Florida. She has family in Sanford, Florida. Uh, we were just in Florida past June for her grandpa and a lot of her family lives out in Sanford. And we were out, just out there and she might not remember it, but we're, we're living in the moment. We're not taking life for granted anymore. Uh, we appreciate every day, every opportunity, everything, every blessing that has gone our way. We appreciate everything. So I think that's the difference. I'm not going to recreate anything. I'm just going to, I tried to recreate our own, the engagement. I didn't recreate it on the boat. I just did something different. And it's just doing new things and trying new things. And, and hopefully, you know, one day these memories will stick. Hopefully we can, uh, we're working towards beating epilepsy. Like I said, these side effects of seizure meds are memory loss. So if we can get rid of some of these, maybe, maybe some more memories in there and we'll, We'll get it out of her. So again, I'm hopeful for great things in the future. I'm hopeful she'll drive one day. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, now she's, 
Um, sometimes I can, you know, we can leave her alone with her child. It took five years just to be left alone with her own child. So we're just grateful, you know, for anything and, and you know, anything that comes our way, we're, you know, positive or negative. We, we just, we just keep moving. The brain is a pretty amazing thing and we don't even know how amazing it is. Oh, so it is. who yeah. knows how it can retrain and recreate itself to, you know, to heal and, and come back from this. Obviously exactly. she's made lots of progress since the very beginning. Oh, how, yeah. how long does her memory go back now? A couple of days. Yeah. And before it was seconds or, or was less seconds. than a minute. It was seconds. She can think back to something we did like a week ago, but she can't tell you, did we do it a week ago? Um, she doesn't know when we did it. She can't, you know, how we can kind of categorize like, oh, that was, if we really think about it, it was, you know, oh yeah, I think we did that last Wednesday or, you know, but you know, you did it, you know, the, the specifics. I think she just knows the, it's like a shadow. She knows maybe she did something, but then over time, that kind of, sh that, that memory or shadow just kind of disappears. But if we have a picture of it and she can look back, even though she might not remember actually doing it, but she's knowing, she knows that she's living life and she's doing things. And I think her goal is just to get better, try to get healthier. She wants to get better. That she's a, she's strong. She's a fighter. She's getting better. And she's, she wants, and she just wants to be, she wants to take some stress off me. She, you know, cause I have all the, the weight of everything's on my shoulders and she knows that, but it's not her fault. And she wants, and she wants to be a mom. Does she struggle with guilt because of you having to do all the work? Yeah, she wished she could do more. She wished she could do more. But I, I think from my standpoint is I try to include her in like everything. We have a, a joint calendar. So if something's going on, I put her on it so she knows. Um, we do a lot of things together. So yeah, she wishes she could do more. She wishes she could just drive Gavin to school and, and she wants to go to the school and, you know, be that mom that all these other moms, she sees these other moms with their kids alone driving. That hurts her. Cause she wants that so bad, but she can't, she just can't have it right now. So I, I'm not yet. So yeah, not yet, but she'll have it in the future. I know she will. If you knew in the beginning what you were about to go through over the next several years, would you think you could handle it? First of all, I'd tell you you're, you're crazy. Cause this is, it's been, it's been an unbelievable journey. I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I think I've handled it pretty well. I, I think you have too. Yeah, <laughs> Scott. For what that's worth. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's just for me. It's always been about family, family, and just keeping our family together. We had this dream uh, when we became pregnant. How happy we were when we opened up. When we found out Gavin was going to be a boy, we picked out his name together. We did all these things together and I didn't want to lose her and I didn't want my son not to grow up without his mom and I didn't want to grow up without and I didn't want to live a life without the girl who I loved and and even though she might have not known who I was I knew who she was and I knew how strong she was so I wasn't going to give up on that and I never will I, I think it's great that you've written a book to describe this whole journey what was her reaction in reading that book uh, well, she did. She's read it three times. She doesn't remember the book yet. But if she keeps reading it, she's going to get all our. I think that was my mindset behind it. it was she keeps reading it, it's rote memory. She keeps doing it. She'll remember our ten year life together, and then maybe in another ten years we'll write another book. But 
she she enjoyed it at the same time i will be honest it is it does remind her of what she lost at the same time so it's it's this wow look what we've been through this is she loves the fact that i wrote her a book and i and that i wrote a book but at the same time she realizes i don't remember this stuff and that's hard that's that's hard for her so it's it's kind of you know that catch 22 but um she handles it very well you know what amazes me this is you know this is a lot of this the 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 parts of this story it's kind of a medical story and a neurological story but really above all it's a love story it is yeah all right so this book it's called but i know i love you and that was because of a particular thing that happened which you can talk about if you want to but how do people find the book and and uh, where can they order it well the the title of the book comes from a time early on when she came home from the hospital and she was at her parents' house and I was trying to get her to come home. She did not, she did not want to come back home with me. And I was sitting on her couch and she just looked at me and says, I don't know who you are, but I know I love you. And that was that this defining moment. And for me personally, because she didn't know who I was, but she said she loves me. I'm taking it. And that was another, uh, this, this huge amount of hope that I've always kept inside of me, knowing that she loves me and that we're going to build a new relationship and, and, and a new love. So the title came, that's where the title actually came from is, but I know I love you. The book is available on Amazon, Amazon. I self-published it, um, on our wedding anniversary, on our fourth wedding anniversary. And it just describes our 10 year journey that we've been on from the first time I met her from our first date, from baby shower to um, the birth of Gavin, and then some other defining moments in our life. And the the feedback has been incredible. I did not expect I did not expect our book to get this much publicity. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I think I was kind of naive to the fact. I just you know, I was hopeful that people would just read it and enjoy it. I think that's what I want. And, and I think that's what's happening. I think people are actually enjoying the book. So it's, it's been incredible. Um, it's just another blessing from God and in our family. I, they just keep coming. So. Yeah. And I think people enjoy the book because it's such an amazing story. And, you know, I mean, we can talk about it here for 45 minutes or an hour, but the, of course you go into a lot more detail in, in what actually happened and what you were going through and everything. Yeah. So, so people can find this on Amazon. You have a website too. What is that? Uh, but I know I love you.com or you can follow us on Facebook at, but I know I love you on Facebook. I upload some family photos and, you know, just kind of maybe some articles that share our story. Um, but I think in the future, it's going to be more of just, if you want to follow our family, you can, you know, I'll put some photos here and there. I don't, overdo it because i'm not like the uh um i don't put everything on there you know i'm not not that guy <laughs> but i just put a few family photos here and there and i just so you can get a little insight of our life so how, how old is gavin now gavin's seven years old now which is incredible to think <laughs> i can't believe he's seven seven yeah man. time flies i can tell you from personal experience blink your eyes and he's going to be off to college yeah everybody even when he was first born everybody says enjoy it while it lasts because before you know it he's going to be 18 and he's going to be moving out so i think that's the the mindset as a parent and i think for most parents is you just want to raise your child um, build them up right put the faith in them 
and, and give them the confidence to succeed in this world because uh, we do live in a crazy world and anything can happen and life's not guaranteed. And, you know, we're extremely proud of him. He is such a good kid. He's good in school. He's He has one of the warmest hearts for a seven-year-old you'd probably ever meet. So he's he's an incredible child and we're just extremely grateful that he's ours. I'm going to have links to all of what we've talked about here. We'll have some pictures on the website in the show notes for this episode okay. so people can check that out. And if they want to contact you, they can do that through the website as well. And it's great to hear. You guys are, I mean, people say just, you know, live in the moment, live, just live for today. And you guys are doing it on a pretty literal basis. Every day, you know, and more for her, obviously, than me, because I can reflect back. But uh, for her... It does make me and what happened in our lives not take life for granted and and really appreciate each moment we do each even if it's little it's putting up our Christmas tree you know every year I don't take anything for granted every moment I just I, I cherish everything that's been been in our lives so I'm just extremely blessed grateful and thankful that things are going well. Hey, thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed Steve's amazing story about his family. I wanted to let you know about a couple of other things in case you aren't already aware. First, this podcast has a private Facebook group where all of us can get together and talk about these crazy stories. In fact, several of the guests that I've had here on the podcast are also in that group. So you can talk to them and maybe ask some of the questions that you're wondering about that I forgot to ask them on the show. You can join the group and join the discussion at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. And if you're on Instagram, you should check out my page there. I post something almost every day, and it's usually something interesting or unusual or crazy, stuff you don't usually see on other Instagram pages. You know my motto, never be boring. My Instagram page is all one word, what was that like? And this is the last episode for 2019. It's been a really great year of growth for this show, and that's because a lot of listeners have told their friends about the show. So if you know someone who listens to podcasts, be sure and let them know about this podcast. In fact, just send them to the website and have them take a look at the past episode titles. I guarantee you they'll say, what? I've got to listen to this. And I'll see you in two weeks.